from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down, as usual, the top 10 things, top 10 topics of the week that made us go, wow. Um, I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined by editor of the Wow Report, James St. James, and, of course, World of Wonder's chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. How do you do? How are you? Let's get into the countdown. Number 10, Tom. Number 10. I don't know if this is old news, but it's new news to me. Madonna, Madam X, the concert film currently streaming on Paramount Plus. I remember, it just seems it was just a pandemic ago when everyone was going to the Wiltern Theater in Los Angeles. Yes, we went to go see it, yes. Yes, I had tickets. This was the show that Madonna was famous for starting really late, like going on at 2.30 or 11, even though the ticket called it 8. And I took a disco nap to go to the show and then woke up full of people we know and gay people and happy people. And I'm going to tell you what I guess you already know because you saw it. It's an incredible piece of art. There's incredible production value and ideas and films and transitions and whatever. But there is... I, I heard that. I heard that. But I heard the but. But. And, and Madonna's butt is a big but. And I don't mind that. Um it was a, it lacked a little joy for me, and I I am not here to trash Madonna. I am here to worship Madonna. But because... I don't think Madame X is supposed to be joyful. I think it's supposed to be a dark tour de force of the the problems in modern society. With but know, it's, it's you're right. You're absolutely she's right. She's shining a light on some of the the darker corners of. But of, in a, in, know, a, in a relentless life. way that and here's uh, again uh, this is my 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 disclaimer, which is. I feel like Madonna and I were best friends for about 20 years or 25 years. And we have, and no, in the way that friendships come and go, sometimes we go in different directions and around 2005, 2006, hard candy. um, We started Mm. going separate ways, not because we don't love each other. We do, but I I feel like we caught up after a long time. And I think I applaud her for her family, for her interests, for her work, but I, it was a long lunch, is what I'm saying. It was a little long, and I didn't understand it all. I didn't understand well, I wonder, Fendi, let me just, before you start, in, let me just say that I sort of think that it would have been better on Broadway. I think it would have been a really fantastic, just big, over-the-top extravaganza on Broadway where it can get a little dark. You can have dark Evitas and Sweeney Todds and things like that, and I think it might have lived better, it might have served better there. But... um uh, I enjoyed it, and I like seeing this sixty-plus-year-old woman just yes. throwing balls to the wall, and just—I mean, if you remember Marlena Dietrich and Mae West at this point in their careers, they would be wheeled out, and they would stand stiff and and sing, you know, falling. I would even say, hand. I would even say, compared to Mick Jagger and her male counterparts or people of that stature, that they are not as inventive and we're, activated we're at that doing, age. They keep doing retro, uh, you know, this is the best of tour. And she just keeps bringing up new stuff, new stuff, and turning right. out new things all the time. And that's what I love about her. Well, She's not I resting t- on her laurels. I totally agree with you. And and, and it's funny because I have to see this uh, film, before, this filmed version of the show, because the thing that really 
stuck with me when I saw the show live was A, the fact that she was so late and B, a continual sense of antagonism towards the audience. And that was the thing that stuck from, don't judge it, I'm not knocking it, I'm just saying that's the thing I really remember. And the rest of the show seemed kind of low rent to me. It seemed like something I might've seen at the Pyramid in 1982. Again, not knocking it because Madonna's been known for these multi-million dollar visual extravaganzas. And I like the kind of small, almost sort of experimental theater feel to it. Well, combined with this, this, this yeah. my favorite part though was the Lourdes, where it was just the the screen of Lourdes dancing. Very to, simple. I very, loved that. Yeah. It was beautiful, black and white, and it was just very sort of touching to me. Yeah. So I think Madame X could be a completely different experience. The film version, and I'm I'm really intrigued by what you say, Tom, because I want to be. see them. Both. There's something, and this is my complaint: is like the very beginning. It starts with a quote from James Baldwin, and she's like in profile typing, and the side effect of and it takes like. Oh, that went on forever. That went on forever. Up the paper and throws it away. And then she types the same sentence and then she throws it away. Then and it's like just that alone tests my attention span. And like the the quote is great, what she's saying is great. It's a little crazy. We have to go. So long, no. So long. So long. And and not typing very fast, I might add. No, not at all. Long live Madonna. Long live Madonna. It's it's bad enough. She's never she's never dying. Uh, and can I make one last plug, which is I, my retrospective of Madonna that I was involved in was called Madonna the Rusical, which was on it, which I, uh, we're, we we're, knew it was coming. We knew we saw it coming down Sunset Boulevard. Where <laughs> Michelle Visage portrayed Madonna as Madame X and the Queens play different eras. That is my tribute and my love letter to Madonna. J'adore, j'adore, j'adore. Number nine. I think we're going to stay with Madonna, right, James? Number nine. Yes, I believe I'm piggybacking off of Tom's uh, uh, thing right there because I watched Madge on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Kimmel. And I do not usually watch The Tonight Show. I am not a big fan of it, but I I DVR'd it and I watched it. And um, you've hated I, the Tonight Show ever since they got rid of Leno. You've hated it ever since they got rid of Leno. Exactly. Since Joan. Since they got rid of Joan. That's how far back I go. But she came. She was um, a guest on the show, and she came out and did a sketch. First of all, she was in one of the sketches, and the sketch was um, eighth grade move, eighth grade theater, uh, or it was like eight eight year olds write a screenplay, and so they. Um, it is basically what you think it's going to be that the dialogue is like, Hey, Mr. Poopy butthead, why are you such a poopy butthead? You know, like that. And I guess the joke is, is that Madonna's level of acting is probably at an eight year old. So she came out and was doing dialogue written by eight year olds and it, it was hysterical and she was a really good sport and it was really fun to watch and she nailed it. She was really fantastic, oh. which, which is a surprise, right? Well, right. Cause she can go a little off the rails. She can sometimes seem a little brittle and a little, a little bitter and a little defensive. Well, right? but we're getting to the brittle and defensive and bitter because oh. that's coming in the interview. But for this, she was being cheeky. She's you know showing her ass cheeks, you know, in the for for the eight year olds, which is just like, what are you doing? Blah blah blah. She goes, she sits down, and they start the interview. And she's you know doing her shtick, and she's grabbing her crotch, and she's showing her butt, and she's trying to act all shocking and everything. But the interesting thing is, is that. She's always had a problem doing small talk. She can, she mm. can't just she can't nail it, and it's usually very awkward and weird. But this time, it felt very relatable, which is 
something that Madonna has never been in her entire career. She is basically an old woman now, and she's sort of and dressed up in a crazy outfit, and she sort of reminds you of like the the old woman in your neighborhood who's off the meds, and you see her at the grocery store, and you say, "Hello, Mrs. Kitchioni, you look nice today." And she's like, "Ah, the world's going to hell!" And you're like, "Oh, take care of yourself, Mrs. Kitchioni." And that sort of I think of her now, I don't think of her as the legend. I think of her as this sort of crazy old lady who's funny and, and charming in a way, but absolutely off of her, out of her mind. And aren't we about an hour and 10 minutes away from that ourselves? Well, that's just it. That's why she's relatable. Like suddenly she is me. She is me like in a K-hole at 7-Eleven looking at the Fruit Loops. Like she, so, there's just something very about her that's not a giant superstar anymore, even though she her, is a giant superstar, but she's her, relatable now. Her Betty Davis phase. Is that what you're saying? Sort of, yeah. Because yeah. I think Betty Davis was like kind of mean and crotchety, right? But it felt yeah. right. It felt good and lovable, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I like I feel like you could go up to her and give her a hug and sort of just, you know, talk to her now as opposed to like you couldn't do that 30 years ago. So anyway, I was just, I enjoyed it. I had fun. And and then Blake, the, the she didn't, she wasn't the performer. She didn't, wasn't the singer. It was Reba. Reba came on and sang the, the, the final number. So it was something for all of us here. Was it Reba's new duet, which is actually an old duet that she used to do with Linda Evans, but she now does with Dolly Parton, Does He Love You? She did a song with Linda Evans? From Jackson. Linda Davis. Linda, Linda Davis. Davis. It was, I was like, it, it, I would pay to see that. <laughs> I would thought you said Reba came out. And, I thought you say Reba came out and sang Ray of Light, but that would have been really good. <laughs> that would have been good. No, she sang one of she sang her new song, but it was the whole I just was completely happy with the entire episode. Number eight. All right. Um, number eight. You know what? I'm gonna keep with the theme of Madonna because it so happens I've been writing this been writing this thing about Maplethorpe and Wojnarowicz, and I've been writing those two things for the book, you know, The World According to Wonder, which we published many, many years ago. Um, we're updating it, taking out all the pictures and putting in more words. So no one's going to... Yeah. If no, few people no, read it before... The pictures are what we... We love the pictures! That's a, wow, how dare well, so you? So then, then... I, oh, I, I am cursing this. Pro- <laughs> You're going to take out Theron in drag? I think we should do Theron new photos. No, it's not, a, it's not a picture book. It's a book book. So anyway, uh, James, I'll deal with you later, or you can beat me up later, I should say. Look, so what I, I'm writing about Wojnarowicz and Maplethorpe, because they were very sort of similar around the same time, artists at the same time. And as I was doing this, I was suddenly thinking about just kids. You know, Patty Smith wrote this beautiful biography of her relationship with Maplethorpe, which I think somewhat hijacked Maplethorpe's story. Um, won the National Book Award for it. Yes, yes, it's very good. It, it is really good. But as I was thinking about it, I was actually thinking, well, Maplethorpe and Patty Smith were actually very different. You know, there's nothing punk about Maplethorpe. Um, everything was always very formal. And then I thought, oh my gosh, Maplethorpe really is like Madonna. And that actually the way they used sex and religion and spectacle, um, the way they were both very ambitious and upfront about that ambition, um, even, even you know, Madonna, single name, Maplethorpe, single name, it just struck me that they were very, very similar um, forces. And I just thought that was kind of interesting, especially since, you know, where Maplethorpe passed away, I think it was in 89. Um, it was around that time 
that Madonna got that huge deal with Maverick and became completely in control of her own work. And that's when she launched the album Erotica. She did the book Sex and really doubled down on that kind of controversy that I remember at the time. I mean, it's a long time ago now, but at the time almost ended her career. People said she was she was finished. And it was a few years before she actually managed to get traction and bounce back. But I just thought that was really interesting because, you know, Maplethorpe was such a lightning rod about sexuality and explicitness in art. And Madonna kind of did the same thing. So in a way, you know, Madonna sort of survived and, and went on to do what I think Maplethorpe probably would have continued to do had he lived. And I also think if you look at the book Sex, the Madonna book that Stephen Mizell took all the pictures of, it's very Robert Maplethorpe, you know? I, I know that, I don't believe Madonna actually ever sat for Maplethorpe, I, I don't believe, but it's hard to think that that she wasn't inspired by, you know, by Maplethorpe and what he was doing. So I just thought that was an interesting moment because when you were talking, Tom, about Madonna's career, it's an enormous career with so many changes. And that that alone could have been one whole artist's career, the whole sort of sex erotica piece. And yet it wasn't. You know, after that, she went on to do Ray of Light, which was extraordinary. Um, Confessions on the Dance Floor, which is kind of where I left the story. And then, of course, in 2012, the most watched Super Bowl halftime show of all time that was even more watched than the game itself. So, I mean, you know... But you talk about janky production values. Oh, God, that was just, just unwatchable. You oh, are being Watch it again, James. Tinfoil Cleopatra outfits that, like, literally she, like, glued, hot glued and oh, put some damn. glitter on it. Oh, I, I Watch it again, James, and we'll talk about it next week <laughs> for an hour and a half. <laughs> so, um, I think we should take a break, right? Um, Drag Race, Canada's Drag Race. Canada's Drag Race Season 2 is now on WOW Presents Plus Worldwide, excluding Canada, where it's on Crave. You can sign up for WOW Presents Plus at wowpresentsplus.com. Brooklyn Heights returning as a judge. Brad Goreski, new judge. Um, the lovely uh, Jeffrey Bauer Chapman, unfortunately, wasn't able to do it again. He was in Hawaii doing that amazing Doogie Howser reboot. Um, Tracy Melchel, last season's squirrel friend. She's back. And actress Amanda Bruegel. It is a really good season. I can't. And it's just started this week. So if you, you, yeah. if you start watching now, you can catch up. The, the premiered on Wednesday. True North and Fierce. That's Thursday, right. excuse me. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy, and we'll be right back after the break. Hey, Blake, do you have a question? I do, I do. I thought you were going to forget me this week. Not um, possible. Now, I found this on Facebook, so it has to be true, right? <laughs> <laughs> And this is more of a riddle than a trivia question. Can you name the only palindromic musical act to have a palindromic hit song in a palindromic musical genre? Yes, I bet you I can. can, can, can. We'll be right back after the break with the answer. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to The Wow Report. I'm Fenton Bailey, joined by Tom Campbell and James St. James and Blake with a really great question. Well, <laughs> I say it's great because I think I know the answer. But yeah. Can you name the only palindromic musical act to have a palindromic hit song in a palindromic musical genre? And can you name all three? I'm, let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. 
Abba. S O S. And pop. That's right. That's right. Aha, but there you go. And our friend Seth Abramovich, who's been on the show several times, I saw it on his Facebook, and his comment was, wow. (laughs) Well, well, there you go. I was. (laughs) All right, we are counting down the top 10 things this past week that made us go, wow. We've reached number seven, Tom. Number seven. Speaking of music history, it was made this week. And I have very little to do with it. I'm just the announcer, the, 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 the letting you know. RuPaul dropped a single. Off, well, RuPaul's Drag Race is playing somewhere in the world always. So it's in season, but not in the American season. And it is an amazing, is it called a diss track? Is that what the kids are calling it today? It's called Blame It on the Edit. Have you heard it, James? Have you heard it? Oh, my it? God. It's so good. I can't. It, it's so good. It's just, it, it sort of speaks for itself. I want to play a little bit of it and you can watch the video because we're also with, with lots of footage from uh, the yesteryear. But it it's it's cheeky. It's funny. People are taking it a little too seriously, some people. But it's basically how reality contestants, when they don't like the way their people respond to them, sometimes blame it on the edit. Take a listen. those people taking it a little too seriously might be some of the people who blamed it on the edit <laughs> right maybe it is an edited show but and you know i think we try really hard whatever behind the scenes to portray um portray things as as they happened um you know it's that craziness of like well is reality tv real it's like it's as real as a documentary um and and i, I hope people know and I'm, I've never been in front of the camera like that, but Drag Race does so much to lift up the queens, to give them opportunities, show after show, and raise their money. Um, it's always just a little bit of a disconnect when they seem so angry at the thing that birthed them. RuPaul's Drag Race, start your interest. I just think it's a really good song. I just think it's really <laughs> great. Have you, I, I just love it. And in fact, I think it's one of my favorite Ru tracks since Sissy That Walk, which is, you know, that's what I want played at my funeral. <laughs> make a note <laughs> anyway i just want to make the world aware of the new song blame it on the edit i think we're gonna hear a lot more of it in future seasons and in meme form and it's it's uh it's it's definitely entering the uh, pop culture uh, dialogue blame it on the edit. you can buy the single right or you can also um pre-order rue's brand new album mama rue mama rue mama rue where he's sporting some kind of sharon stone basic instinct <sighs> short severe Lesbian yeah. fashion, Sally Hirschberg. Yes. yes, Mama Roo. All right, let's go on to number six, James. Number six. Uh, number six, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, the future of network television. I love I'm, it. A serious topic, finally. A serious topic, because I am sort of down to just one or two shows on network television, ABC, NBC, CBS, CW. I watch Bob's Burgers. I watch uh, Saturday Night Live and I'm doing Big Sky. And that's 
it. I am no more. I, I'm out. I, I don't care about anything on network. Do either of you have shows that you watch consistently every week? I watch because of Nolan. He watches it, loves it. 9-11. 9-11, right. I remember yeah. that about 9/11. Nolan, yes. Yeah. Uh, Tom, do you have anything anymore? Nothing really. No Grey's Anatomy, no ER. Is ER still on? <laughs> yeah, ER, ER just went off the air just recently, James. <laughs> I just watched reruns of Reba. No, but that was always like WB or UPN or something. Oh yeah. my! So God. what is the future in this important well, topic? Well, I do want to say that I tried watching this week. I tried. There was a new show that started called La Brea, and it's um uh it's sort of like a lost light is what it is. It's uh, on the corner of Wilshire and La Brea here in Los Angeles. A sinkhole opens up, a giant sinkhole, and uh, trucks and cars and people and buildings all fall into it. And it's this enormous, enormous thing, and you can't even see the bottom. That's how that's how big it is. And people think that everyone died. Well, lo and behold, we go, we cut to the bottom of the sinkhole, and it's this magical fairyland, prehistoric, possibly alternate dimension. Something is going on there. There's all sorts of crazy, magical creatures that are, you know, woolly mammoths are attacking them left and right, saber-toothed tigers. It's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's horrible. There's a schizophrenic man on the surface who can see everybody when he closes his eyes, what's happening, and nobody believes him that they're all still alive and they're all facing woolly mammoths. So yeah, I got about half an hour, 45 minutes into it, and I was like, this is just, this is bonkers is bullshit i can't do it i won't do it i i'm giving it up i'm before it even starts i do big sky which i i love it's the one that um alista calista flockhart's husband does what's his name harrison ford no david e kelly david e kelly michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer yeah david e kelly does that it's really spectacular i will continue watching that but um i just uh i don't know i, I was I was going to say, you said it was Lost Light. I thought it was more of like Land of the Lost, but for grownups. So wait, you, did you watch it and did you enjoy it? Of course not. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he won't even drive down Wilshire near La Brea. He's so afraid of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My car don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's fascinating that after, you know, almost, uh, you know, 80, 90 years of, of, network television it's just become so irrelevant and so nonsensical and stupid and silly and nobody watches it what is queens i've seen billboards everywhere for uh, a, i do a, sort a new... think that looks fun that's brandy and i think that premieres uh premiered this week is it is it a network show though abc uh, 10 o'clock i think ABC, on tuesdays okay. i've only seen the billboards good good call fenton that's what maybe there's one show to save network television and it's queens with brandy there you go there you go well it sure as hell ain't la brea but i do still want to say just that big sky the david e kelly is um it's the one where there's all the serial killers and it's a different bad guy each season and they've broken it up into four seasons per year which is very strange no other show does that, but they have eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks, four different times a year. Just one last question I'm afraid to ask this. James, in La Brea, does the Beverly Hills dealership at Wilshire and, and, and La Brea, does that sink into the earth as well? well no, but isn't that where the car, the Peterson Museum is and the new yeah, uh, Academy sort of Museum is? Has anyone been to the Academy Museum? Is it still there? Has it fallen into the hole? <laughs> It's that's closer to Fairfax. I don't know how big the whole. Oh, world. right. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Absolutely right. Okay. okay. So I just very quickly, I just wanted to throw that out there. I kind the of California up to that description. Yeah. You, you want television? Uh, rest in perfection. Is what you're saying. Right. 
dying. Well, the, the, the big problem for me was there was nobody hot in it. There was nobody that I fell in love with. And that right there, you got, you know, WB, CW, they know what they're doing. They put the hot boys in there. MTV, you know, but this ABC, whatever this is, they did not learn the lesson to put a hottie in. Uh, number five. Number five. I have been reading Stephanie Grisham, um, the former Trump White House press secretary. She succeeded what? Uh, Sean Spicer, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, both spectacular liars. Stephanie Grisham is no exception. And she has written a book after never holding a single televised press briefing with reporters. She's now written a book rather flippantly called I'll Take Your Questions Now. And of course, she's not taking our questions. She's just trying to dig herself out of the monumental size hole that's at La Brea and Wilshire that she has single-handedly created. Um, nonetheless, I can't help you know listening to it and reading it. Um, the New York Times said something good. They said it's as if a jumbo jet has crashed and the survivors are wandering, shocked in the jungle, trying to make sense of what happened, groping and griping and sniping at each other. And the rest of us are left trying to sort out who's in the cast. Um, the interesting thing, though, is she tells this story about going to Camp David with Trump at the weekend. And all through dinner, Trump was really excited because after dinner, they normally watch a movie. And the movie he was so excited to watch was Sunset Boulevard. Sunset Boulevard, Trump. And you, your favorite movie, Fenton. My favorite. I know. I'm. I, it's a problem. And you Stephanie and Grisham, Donnie have so much in common. Stephanie Grisham was like, "Well, I didn't want to watch the movie because I hate old movies." Um, oh, and then she, okay. but she did watch it. She did watch it, and she was struck by the similarity between Trump and Norma Desmond. Convinced that everyone loves him and living in a fantasy world of his own making. That's how she describes. Trump and Norma Desmond um, and, and says maybe it was because he saw the world as a movie in which he usually was the star and the language of film was the language that spoke to him best. I don't know. The other great chapter in the book is called That Damn Jacket, which remember when Melania wore a I don't care do you jacket to visit refugee children who were locked up in cages. Um, it's interesting. You, you read the whole chapter and you're none the wiser. And at one point, I think she says, I don't know why she wore the jacket. Well, if you don't know, why are we even reading the chapter? Why are you even writing the book if you don't know? And it was it, she sort of tries to maintain that Melania really just wore it as a casual coat to get on the plane and didn't know that the press would be under the plane taking photographs. And then she decided that to be appear consistent, she should change back into it when she got off the plane on her return. Who the what not knows? And of course, Stephanie put out the, the, you know, was responsible for the tweet that Trump wrote that, you know, saying that Melania was making a point about the fake press, the fake news media. It's where am I going with this? I'm just saying it's it's a little bit sickening. It's a little bit nauseating. It's sort of blaming and trying to excuse herself. She says, you know, I should have spoken up more. And she says, what was the other thing she says? She says, um, oh, yeah, I. I liked them and I disliked them and I missed them and I hope I never see them again. You know, it, I suppose like people in a cult, they still, even though they get out of the cult, they still kind of want to be in the cult. But um, why do we keep giving these people money? Why are they getting huge advances? And then why are people, mm -hmm. why are you, why are you uh, encouraging this by buying the book? 
Well, because I, for one, am fascinated by the dysfunction of the whole Trump thing. And I, I am always looking for the reason why and how it could possibly be. And I think well, it's how, important. Or, or, or how it's going to happen again and how it's going well, to happen again is if, if if we just turned our back on these people and didn't give them a, an ounce of prevent uh, ounce of attention, then they would go away. But the yeah. fact is, is that we keep feeding them the beast. And it's, I don't know that my reading the book is the reason why Trump will be back in office. I think it's, the, uh, uh, you know, 80 million Christian evangelicals who don't I, I believe don't in science. You. I'm going to blame you. I've, I've right. already got it. Will you blame, blame me on the time? Edit. <laughs> blame <on> the edit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's move on. Oh, let's move on and take a break. Hey, how about that? Blake, have you got a question for us? Hey, wait, I, I have a trivia question. I have, I have a really good trivia question, and you can tell yours. Benton, what is the number we're coming back on? We'll have an answer after the break. <laughs> well, you'll have to stay tuned to find out, won't you? <laughs> Blake, what is what is the real one? Um, we've worked with a lot of queens here at World of Wonder. Have we ever? But this while liberty is actual royalty, and today is her birthday. All right. Treat? We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. That make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Uh, I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James and Blake. What was the question, Blake? Um, well, I said we've worked with a lot of queens here at World of Wonder. Um, but this while Liberty is actual royalty, and today is her birthday. Who is she? Is I think Fenton knows. Was there a drag queen named the Princess or something? There was, but it's not her birthday. Okay, I think okay. it's Sarah Ferguson and the Duchess of York. Oh, there you go. That's exactly right. Happy birthday to Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York. That was a really good show. I think you need to put it back up on Wild Presents Plus, can you? Or is there some sort of uh, rights issue? I think there might be a rights issue, but that's never stopped us. So it's let's never stopped. It. <laughs> it is. It's a really good show. I really enjoyed that. It really was. And I, I actually thought that so much of what she was going through uh, was extremely relatable. And yeah. so many of the lessons she learned were also universally helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And she comes off as is much more likable than I think the press has always tried to portray her in the worst possible light, and given her, let her give her the microphone and let her go, and she's actually quite adorable. And of course, we're talking about our show, Finding Sarah. Yes. Finding Sarah, yes, which uh, debuted on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Mm-hmm. That was quite an experience, I have to tell you. All right, let's go on. We have reached number four. Ah, good for you. Thank you. Number four. I can't believe I'm reporting on this and not James. James, you must have watched Saturday Night Live this past week. Yes, I loved it. It was a boosted in the ratings, uh, all attributed to its guest host, Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian is the most underestimated human being on earth, which is sort of her secret sauce to success, right? Because people, there was so much animosity. Oh, you know, Kardashian's a dirty word. And, and they, what are they doing? And why is she on television? And why is she hosting? She was hilarious. She was hilarious. Starting with a, um, and, and, and the promo, which all, probably all written for her. But oh, she yeah. said, wait a minute, do I have to uh, write jokes? Like, no. She goes, well, I'll look better than anybody. Um, you know, and I can read. So I guess I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what happened. And, you know, she's a larger-than-life 
target to make fun of. You know, in the, in the world of all this fragmentation, we all feel the same way about the Kardashians, the, the legend. And she tore, it was like the best Kardashian roast, Jenner roast ever, the, 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 um, the, 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 the opening line, monologue. My favorite line in the opening monologue was that she's used to having 179 million views for everything she does. And this is only 12 million. So this is like a, a boring night at home for her. Yeah, like, like a private night. From her regular days. So like, you know, all she has is the 12 million viewers here. So she, she also did she something about how she was helping, you know, people escape from prison, which she does, you know, like people wrongfully. She goes, and that's why she got a round of applause in the eye. She goes, and that's why I want to announce that I'm running for, she goes, just kidding. We don't have room for three failed politicians in our family. <laughs> And throughout, they made lots. They played her as the Bachelor, you know, as the Bachelorette, and they had all these guest stars. And it was, I thought it was hilarious. Oh wait, the, no wait. The other one was when um she said that I am more than just the picture that my sisters take into the plastic surgeon's office and say that's what I want to look like. As a reference, exactly. <laughs> and there was a Courtney's Court where she played her sister Courtney in a Judge Judy sketch, <laughs> and Chloe appears in it. And Chris, you know, if if you want to give bad. Chris Jenner was a little off her comedy game the other night. But it's all live. <laughs> it's Saturday Night Live. It raised the ratings. Everyone's shocked. It's like, you know, again, they're, she's not a dummy. She has, she's been uber famous for over 15 years. And she has faced public humiliation, divorces, a wedding that was televised that went awry days later. There's, there's, she's a survivor. Whatever you think of them, she's an entity. She's a force to be reckoned with. And I thought they really did a good job by booking her, and they did, a, and she did a great job, and they did a great job writing for her. And she skewered. I mean, she made fun of you know her relationship with Kanye. She made fun of Kanye, which I yeah. thought was very shocking that she did. But you know, she's sort of like a Paris Hilton, where you you know for years and years and years, people thought they were ditzy, no, you know, like pathetic and silly and, and they didn't deserve any of their fame but they have outlasted everybody and they have made their billions of dollars and they are smart cookies and you cannot tell me that they don't deserve to have i mean there have been some people on saturday night live that you think why are they there but i did not question for a second kim i thought it was fantastic i thought it was a great episode i've always wondered did they mention the sex tape oh a hundred times because yeah. i've always wondered about the sex tape like how knowing it was that it got released. I mean, you know, it wasn't released against their will. That we know. But how much of a, a, a savvy calculation it was or just how much I they just got lucky. Mother, I think Chris Jenner saw what happened to Paris, saw what happened to Pamela Anderson and said, we're going to make, you know, we're going to make. Uh, turn uh, turn lemons into lemonade. Lemonade, yes. I was going to say. And I'll just end with this plug. If you want to know what I really feel about the Kardashians, I think it's best expressed on the Kardashians, the rusical on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> you are shameless. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you can watch Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights, 1130 Eastern, blah, 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 or on the Peacock app. Now, number three. Number three. Number three, conservative Twitter went berserk this week over the headline, Superman is bisexual. And... To hear them tell it, there was um, a lot of similar comments. Everyone was like, you can't take an 80-year-old character and make it gay. Like, 
okay, it's a fictional character. You most certainly can. That's what you do with fictional characters. <laughs> the other big one was, it's Superman and Lois Lane, not Superman and Lewis Lane. Hey, they got you on that one. Yeah, that, that was that was the one that was trending. There was, I'm not letting my kids read these comics anymore, and I'm going to Marvel. I've, I've had it with DC, blah, 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 blah. But Marvel's well, packed with gays, right? Well, that's, oh, no. and so it's, I mean, every, I mean, that's just, just the way of the world. It's 2021. Everyone's bisexual or gay or LGBTQ or whatever. But if you had gone beyond the headline, if you had read just one paragraph below the headline, if you had read the, the sub headline, you would see that it's not Clark Kent. It's not Superman as we know him. It's his son. His son is Jonathan Kent, who is who was Superboy. Now Superman has retired, and Superboy has taken up the mantle of Superman. So it's not the character that we've known all these years. This is a new character who's only been around for about seven years, and so he is now he's he was rapidly aged in space. He was like from ten, and now he's like sixteen or seventeen. So he's this seventeen-year-old boy. He's in love with uh, a cute, cutie patootie, little pink-haired. Um, uh, uh, reporter named Jay Naka- Nakamura, and he is Gamoran, and he was saved in, by Superboy during a school shooting, and so they have this relationship, and um, they are very cute together. And if you see the pictures of them kissing, it'll just melt your little heart. They're so Aww. cute together. It's very nice, but it's funny because the other thing that's funny about this is that if you remember in August. Robin came out as bisexual, and of course nobody batted an eyelash because everyone has been suspecting it since 1941. So I think DC just said, "Well, that was a fizzle. Let's go and get something that everyone is gonna, you know, be up in arms about." And boy, they are up in arms. And I just think it's sweet and it's wonderful, and it's just the way of the world now. So, this yeah. is a potentially rude, insensitive joke, but I'm going to say it anyway, so I apologize. Which is, I think they needed to change the name of the comic books to ACDC Comics. Uh, <laughs> good. Woo! Oh, you're on fire today, Mr. Campbell. I'm the Dave Chappelle of the Wild <laughs> oh, Which I All think right. we'll, we'll be speaking about in a moment. So uh, that's, that's my perspective, my, my comic book boy perspective. I love it. Thank you. Read more on The Wow Report. Number two, Blake. Number two. Hi. Um, I took a long trip last weekend. I went Thursday. I left for Austin, Texas and went to Austin City Limits. Have you guys ever been? Did you see the bats? Did you go see the bats? I didn't. Is that a hot new band? No, they're the bats that live under the bridge, in the Austin Bridge, and there's like 10 billion of them, and they come out every night at sunset, and it's just a giant black cloud, and everybody gathers underneath the bridge and gets guamoed. <laughs> I have never been to the Austin City Limits. Is it a music festival? Is that what it is? It is a music festival akin to, I guess, like Coachella or Bonnaroo, if you're in Tennessee. Um, it was so fun, though. Um it's a three-day festival held over two days, two weekends. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a four-day festival that they cram into one day. That's great advertising. That's well, like you a lot of your money that way. It does feel that way because, like, one the first night, Friday night, two of the headliners are, you know, Miley Cyrus and George Strait, and I wanted to see both of them. But yes. you didn't because they're on opposite ends of the park. So you went to go see Miley, and you said that she performed 
Party in the USA. All the old hits, like The Climb from the Hannah Montana movie. She did I'll See You Again, like her first big pop single. Um, She did Seven Things, which was even before that on like Disney era, Miley Cyrus. So amazing. Megan the Stallion was amazing. Um, Um, She performed WAP, right? Oh, she did all the hits. Oh, good. Okay. Did the Beyonce, uh, Savage. All it was all good. The hotel we stayed at was amazing. It was the well, fair wait, 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 wait. You also saw Billie Eilish and, and Billy's brother too, right? I did. Yeah. Fergie Ferguson. What's his name? Uh, F- Phineas. 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 Yes, Phineas. he's cute. Yeah, what? he was. He was good. That was like the first person we saw. Phineas. You're like Phineas. a little bit shady on it. You're like, yeah, I was okay. Right? Is that what you're saying? I oh. mean, I, did, I didn't know any of his songs, so I wasn't a big fan. Oh, and... you used to sing that one song in the car every day for for months, you and I. You that know? was you. No, I would say, play Phineas. And you'd say, here we go. And you'd light it up and we would go off. Tom, did you have... I want to say that sounds like a movie called Driving Miss James St. James. But we'll go, we'll go what, um, I um, wish it was a movie and not my day every, every my life every weekday. <laughs> Did you by any chance see or hear about Trixie Mattel's performance down there? I, it was amazing. She was in a tent and there was no moving room. I was thinking maybe she would see me and Steven and give us a little shout out. My roommate went with me, but Alas, there were too many people. That's tremendous. You were sort of hoping she would drag you into a VIP area or something, right? (laughs) Well, yeah. Or if she drug me on stage, I was going to propose to Steven and have him slap me in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Always prepared that, Blake. (laughs) Very quickly, who are some of the other people you saw? um, Well, that's... uh, I saw tons of people. I saw Phoebe Bridgers and uh, Austin City Limits shut her set off during, like, the one song I really wanted to see. I saw... um, Future Islands. We saw Erica Badu. Oh, wow. That's fun. Will you go again? I definitely will go again. And I want to give a shout out to Chops at the Iron Bar, which is the Bear Bar in uh, <laughs> Austin. He is a listener and he clocked me just by my voice. Oh, wow. He, yeah, he is the manager there. And the drinks are strong. The boys are hot. When we went, it was underwear night, and there was the hottest boy ever kept just putting his overalls on and then taking them back off again. Well, wait a minute. Was, you need to tell where, me that in Texas, where everyone sounds like Blake, you stood out from the from the Southern accents? I do, yeah. That's we, have, we have a precious gift in Blake. <laughs> precious, precious gift. He is our secret weapon. Totally. Mm. Well, let's take a break. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race Superstar, the new mobile game. It's available for pre-registration and pre-order worldwide. You go to www.dragracesuperstar.com. All right. When we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James. We've been counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go wow. And we have reached number one. And this isn't, I don't think this is a wow thing. I think this is a an owl thing. 
Number one. Dave Chappelle's Netflix special called The Closer. He's done, I think this is the sixth one. Dave Chappelle couldn't be hotter. Um, and there's the very controversial attacks and jokes he made about the LGBTQ community, especially the trans community. Hmm. And people have been talking about it all week. Um, he's claiming he's being canceled, but you know, it's the highest rated Netflix special of his. And there's uh, trans workers at Netflix who have vowed to leave. There's rumors that some of them have been or reports, excuse me, that some of them have were asked to leave or left. Um, he kind of, I, I'm trying to sum it up, but he kind of equates, he sort of says that he, he talks brilliantly about race uh, from a point of knowledge and, and intelligence. And yet he seems to pit the LGBTQ uh, movement against the black movement. And he kind of, in doing so, whitewashes the LGBTQ movement, which by the way, has a lot of white people in it, but also has a lot of black people and people of color in it and thinks that LGBTQ movement has moved faster because it's full of white people who can can retreat from being gay to joining the white identity and turning to Karens um, versus black people who are treated badly all the time. And and he also have you watched have you watched it, Tom? I watched a big chunk of it. I find him a little self satisfied. There's something mm. about him it, it, it he's more of like a prophet than a comedian and i don't know that i believe in this prophecy um have you guys seen it i'm not gonna watch it i'm i'm just you know it's like he doesn't need any of my time and i i think ted uh is it ted sarandos ted sarandos yes, who the Netflix, head of Netflix. he said something um he said uh we we understand the concern is not about offensive to some content but titles which could increase real world harm such as marginalizing already marginalized groups um he says that while some employees disagree we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real world harm uh, and for that he uses as backup the idea that there's so much more violence on tv than there has ever been before because there's so much more tv and yet crime is down so therefore what you see on TV has no impact. I, I don't know. I think of all the sort of lame, smug, loserish arguments, because I feel that essentially it may not lead to real world harm, but essentially giving it gives permission. What David Chappelle is saying gives permission to haters and phobic people who are violently inclined. It gives them permission. It may not be a direct correlation because they may already hate trans people anyway, but it, I feel that you know, we've seen the, the vast, the, actually the vast increase in hate attacks under under Trump because of his rhetoric, I believe, yeah. again, gave people permission. They thought they had it on good authority that their bigoted, prejudiced views were backed up by the president of the United States. And I think it's sort of similar, backed up by a very successful, popular, and it's not, comedian. Forgive, it's not black and white in terms of, you know, there's a lot of issues going, it's cancel culture or presumably cancel culture who's really been canceled and um it's also it's about race which race is a, a factor within the L every community including the lgbtq community um there was an atlantic article that said that uh dave chappelle left his very famous comedy central show years ago because he felt like people he was hearing someone laugh 
at him uh, instead of with him. Like the person wasn't getting that he was doing parody. They were just laughing at his stereotype. And you could say the same thing was happening in this special that he didn't get about trans people, that you're laughing at trans people in a way that that is 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 negative versus that you're being somehow insightful. He also kind of pulls out the, he talks about a trans uh, comedian who used to open for him, who uh, died. He thinks he died. One of the reasons this trans person died was because they were not supported by their community, the trans community. They were comedian community, but it sort of plays like, well, I have, I have gay friends or I have a black friend, so I'm not racist. Like I have a trans friend, so I'm not, you know, so it's unfortunate. I, I, he's not being canceled. I don't think, I think canceling is an overused expression, but I think well, the baby was canceled or whatever. The one who was the guy who sang, who got, but, he, but he's also been on the, the chart since then. People say canceled. People get called out for saying things that offend people. That's not being canceled. It, it, you know, no one's trying to deprive them of their livelihood, but it's, 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 it's when we, use those languages to me of cancellation and you put someone's back against the wall who already has a big ego because if they're in celebrity, they already have a big ego. And then they feel they have to lash out or defend or hold their ground versus, hey, what about this? And I think sometimes too, again, I'm glad what I'm glad what Glad does, but if Glad just makes people feel defensive, if it's is it there just to is the whole thing about division again instead of trying to find mm. some ways to be a little smarter about things and, and you know because it, it, it's also the whole thing about comedy comedy is supposed to provoke comedy is supposed which it is supposed to do that and it can't be whitewashed to the degree that we can't laugh or, or or ruffle feathers a little bit but there is a sensitivity that can also be recognized i think simultaneously or in retrospect i don't know james what do you think you've been very silent no of the above i mean yeah i mean it's it, i don't even see it as as he was wrong to do it, and I. Uh, the only part that I watched was when he said that he aligned himself with uh, J.K. Rowling and that he thought of himself as a turf, which I just thought mm. was icky and yucky and uh, time to move on. I don't need to. Yeah. Why do they care that much? Why? Why is this the thing they have to go deep on? You know, but, like you know, it's like it's like the bathroom thing, though. Why does the bathroom thing get people so worked up? You know, the idea of trans people in yeah. that. It's yeah. it's. It, because me, it's like the number of incidents that may or may not have happened in bathrooms, it is what it is, though. I mean, it's that's right. just the and and building a wall to keep immigrants out, Mexicans out, isn't real either. You know, what I'm saying those aren't real. Those are just issues that test well, that divide us. It goes back to the whole Facebook thing about what rouses hate, what gets people upset, and these issues do these these images, and they're not real images. They're just meant to. I don't know, separate us. I'm, I'm sort of tired of that. Anyway, Outdoor Kitty Cat agrees. Well, oh, there you go. Um, that's all we got time for today. Um, thanks for tuning in to The Wow Report on Radio Andy Sirius XM. Thank you, Tom and Kitty Cat. What is the Kitty Cat's name? Outdoor Kitty Cat. It just visits. Oh, it's just called Outdoor Kitty Cat. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Tom and Outdoor Kitty Cat. And thank you, James. St. James. Yes, so lovely to see you. Thank you, Blake. And thank you all for listening and watching. Um, God willing, we'll see you same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go. Ah. Yeah.